You are listening to What in the Horror with your host Lando and Tim. Welcome back to yet another episode of What in the Horror with your host Lando and Tim. Today we'll be reviewing Bad Apples from 2018 and Village of the Damned from 1995. So we will be starting out with Tim's movie, which again is Bad Apples from 2018. Take it away, Tim. Yeah, uh, movie starts out Halloween night. Um, Trick or treaters coming to the door. Um, this woman's in her apartment. She's very pregnant. And uh, after she, the trick or treaters are done, she goes in the back room. The front door opens up, and in the locks this guy who sneaks around and hides in the kitchen. Well, she f- comes back out, goes into the kitchen, and he stabs her multiple times in her belly repeatedly. Um, then he winds up crying, getting upset, and slicing his own throat. Then there's a bunch of CGI part here where everything, the pool, blood like starts pooling into some kind of form. Like it, it comes out of her, like it's pouring into like what you're expecting is some kind of birthing form of something. So that's how it starts out. And then it's 15 years later. Um, and you see these two girls uh, uh, getting on bicycles and with a mask on backwards. They have these two like uh, one's pink, one's green. And they have these weird little uh, happy-go-lucky little weird face mask on like halloween mask and they're riding around at first on the back of their back of their heads and you see them riding away you never actually see their faces then they put them on they go in and they start doing a little bit of hooligan like stuff and there's this creepy music playing while this is going on it's a it gives you the feel but it's a a little sharp i will say it's a little bit sharp for the music so we go through that's going on then it cuts to like the school um the two girls are in the office like the principal's office and there's this other uh kid that's kind of a little uh he's dressed up as uh ape like for halloween the principal asked him to take his mask off he does he's got like eye makeup around so he looks a little funny well this woman's sitting next to him and he starts flirting with her uh being hardcore flirting and turns out she's a teacher a new teacher that just got there from los angeles and uh, the principal says it in the weirdest way during the, this the whole interview thing and he ends up yelling at the kid for hitting on all the they end up yelling at the kid for hitting all, on all the new teachers and stuff. Anyhow, he gets in there, he talks to her, and he's like trying to ask if she's religious and stuff. It's kind of weird questions. And we don't want any incidences and all this other stuff. And then uh, that's pretty simply over at that point. She goes uh, she goes home later. It shows her at home later because she's got to start on Monday. Um, and that's Halloween day. Just to get home. She's unpacking. She's got all this. All, everything's still packed in the whole house and everything. But apparently she took a nap with her uh, husband at the time, her husband, and he was in bed and she was in bed with him. But he's like, oh, I thought you went to work. And he goes, I did. I came back home and took a nap with you for half an hour. She's supposed to be unpacking for the day and everything for the day while he gets ready. And he's going out to get pumpkins because he wants pumpkins for Halloween to carve. Um, she winds up just lounging around the house for the day and kind of um, because and doing a little bit of unpacking in the kitchen, but not really too much. And then winds up taking a bubble bath. Um, he comes home, the bubble bath thing. Um, he's got a bunch of pumpkins, he's got a trunk full, whatever. But he picks on her for not getting anything done. She says, do you check the kitchen? And yeah, this is kind of like this whole thing. It's this mundane, like typical, like just trying to show you things are kind of normal. And then uh, she pulls them into the tub. They're there talking about the towels and stuff like that. And then she had had a meet, uh, one of the neighbors come by and give her a pie, which she actually put down the garbage disposal. That's the busybody neighbor type person comes by and talks about the uh, the perv across the street that apparently is a sex offender. Well, 
this here is where you see the sex offender for the first time. He's outside their house smoking a cigarette. Kind of just creepy. So she says this rude remark about um, calling him a, some a specific name, about some kind of pedophile name thing. Inside, doesn't say it super loud or anything, but he goes out to confront him to ask him what he's doing out there. And apparently the guy had heard heard her say it because he repeated it. And he's just kind of like, the guy's kind of a dick. Well, anyhow, it goes there and then... The husband has to get ready and go to work. He's a night nurse at the hospital. So he's starting his work too. He's going to go to that. She's going to have to stay alone, home alone. And she's a little nervous about it until there's something weird going on there, but you can't tell what exactly they did a pretty good job with the acting for the something was wrong was definitely done. Well, during this time, the girls are going, uh, the girls are at the school and the principal tries to take off their mask and they proceed to beat him to death with a uh with an object in a room and they kill him and uh they stab him and in the end to kill him with a flag stabbing him through to his chest into the flag and later he's found by the secretary when she comes back well and then she they take off and they do their merry little thing they just act like you know this i don't know kind of dancing around holding hands skipping around and everything like that it's kind of creepy Again, that music's playing. So they go through. They um, wind up killing the pedophile, um, sneaking into his house and tricking him You know, by one of them being at the door, one of them being in the house. And he tries to come on to one of them while the other one winds up cutting him up from behind. He has a life alert, life alert um, thing on his, uh, on his body they picked up when he came into the house from outside. And you find out that that's, uh, that comes into play a little bit later. Anyhow, they, they hack him up pretty good and kill him. And then... Uh, they proceed to like move around the entire neighborhood doing doing this and uh, slashing someone in the leg near the stairwell and then killing them with their own knives and and they also picked up the, they did the trailer trash woman they killed her and from there after shooting her with their own gun that they found in uh, the trailer they wound up uh, taking out like this little mini sickle and a uh, hatchet which are using around town that's what they wound up killing everybody with and they're going from house to house killing people they actually were outside the house of the the new uh family had moved in the man and her husband they were outside their house once but because they were both home they kind of left that one alone for now they seem to be wanting to kill people one-on-one and they kill a few different people they get there and then they find up trying to break into that house and killing the wife the teacher they come in and they uh slash her in the leg she gets in the kitchen she's actually able to kind of fend them off a little bit and then run away and hide um she gets into the bathroom. They had stabbed her in the back. The knife is buried almost to the hilt in her back as she runs into the uh, bedroom and stuff and locks herself in. And she pulls the knife out of herself. For some reason, very strangely, washes it and puts it in a drawer, but doesn't have it clean, clean, but washes it some, puts it in a drawer. Even at the end of this movie, I still don't understand why she did that. But she's not really bleeding all that bad. Um, eventually, she tries talking to them. And at this point, you realize that uh, because you see some of the scenes that like, get the hospital and one of the things that happens at the hospital is that guy with the life alert managed to push the button. They brought him in and they were working on him. Well, she had called him before she got attacked and told him that uh, she was scared and he wasn't able to get a hold of her again. Well, the guy's co-worker, another nurse there, decides to cover for him, let him go home because she likes him. She, uh, she goes, I don't like anybody, but I kind of like you. You're all right. So she lets him go home. Well, She's talking to these uh, girls through the uh, door and trying to get them to talk back to her. And then in the end, she just asks how old they are. You find out that she actually, when he had talked to the nurse, you find out that she had lost a baby 
uh, when they were younger and they just have never, she's never really recovered from it. And that's where she is at. So you feel like this, you, that at that point, you've realized that this whole talking to the girls might be like a motherly instinct. She finally asked them, she tries to talk to them why they're trying to kill her and then they won't answer. And then she tries to ask them their age and they, they just act really weird and creepy about it, start singing and doing weird stuff. Well, they, they're going to get in. She knows it. So she sets it up so she can hide and she hides in a shower, but they don't know they're looking all over for her and they're walking through. Here's the thing. She has this huge to the hilt knife wound in her back. There's no blood on the floor. Pet peeve. Walk through. Uh, she throws a shower curtain on and runs downstairs. As she goes to go downstairs, she finds out that they had stuff stuffed stuck on the stairs. So she'd fall down the stairs and she knocks herself unconscious, the pumpkins and stuff. So she's unconscious and you see her kind of get dragged away and leave a blood splatter from a uh, little blood trail from her head. At this time, the boyfriend gets home. He gets stabbed in the leg. Similar to all the others. A little repetitive on the stabbing in the leg thing, trying to like slice their ankles. But um, then she wakes up. And as she's slowly waking up, you're seeing like this uh, drippy, gooey, like bloody um, jack-o'-lantern from the inside being lit. Turns out it's actually the girls had carved a jack-o'-lantern into her husband's chest and killed him. Um, she says, go ahead and kill me now because she just wants to get it over with. And they just leave her. <laughs> they just walk away, leave her alone. As they're walking away, she goes, one more thing. She grabs one of the knives and actually stabs one right up through the chin and kills it, her, and then stabs the other one multiple times in, in the chest till they're both dead. And she pops both the mask up so you can see their face as they're laying there dead. She walks outside. You think this is over, but then there's a, it cuts away to some other scene where um, it's like these three women talking in. It's supposed to be like a girl's night out. They're talking to each other, trying to act adult. But this this part here feels a little bit forced. They go through and they, um, they're joking about stuff. And then the one tells a story about the girl that was in that apartment. That was It was the same apartment. And right where the woman is standing, she goes, right over here is where the woman was, uh, baby was stabbed to death. And the two twins that were born that were born that night somehow survived. And they um, went on a killing spree 15 years later. And then then... As you think, thing, and she's like, wow. And she goes, the creepiest thing is the girls are still alive. And that's how it ends. So let's get some numbers from Lando here before we wind up uh, breaking this down and seeing what we thought of it, or I thought of it and what Lando thought of it. Because I uh, know this wasn't, this was kind of a low budget movie, but not. Oh, yeah. You'll, you'll we'll get it. Yeah. Yeah. This movie pretty much sucked. I mean, Rotten Tomato, there was no score at all. Audience score of 11, though. Google gave it a 63. I couldn't find a budget or a box office anywhere. So when it came to my overall thoughts, I was like, yeah, this movie could have been done better, but I don't see the potential of it doing any better. Mainly because I looked at other websites and they gave it low ratings too. So yeah, this movie sucked. <laughs> it was another one of those that just dragged on and just, I don't know. I just didn't like this movie. The amount of blood and gore was like the only thing that I enjoyed of this movie. So with that being said, I gave it a one skull. <laughs> I mean, how often do I do that? I mean, it just was not a good movie. And for being a, like you said, the blood and gore parts, other than that CGI in the beginning, which scared me, were not that bad. Um, the I kind of, even though he wasn't actually really, he was a little bit of a jerk to the new teacher. So I kind of enjoyed watching the principal get killed. <laughs> that was my favorite part. Um, the blood and gore was pretty good for the most part. 
but it was repetitive. Like I said, slashing of the ankles, three or four ankles got slashed the same exact way in the same spot in every house. It's like, okay, well, I mean, you, you could change it up. You know, good serial killer movies have more than one killing method. They don't just do the same thing over and over and over and over again. So that there was a big loss. The acting wasn't bad and it wasn't good. It was kind of just kind of right. It was like you kind of thought the actors were terrible. You kind of thought they weren't. Everything is dark. Like all the scenes were dark. So you couldn't really see a lot of it in some spots. Like they were hiding here, there. And all you see is a hand reach out, which is cool sometimes when the movie's got too much of it. Now this one here, I, I agree. Had Might have had potential had they written a better script. But with the script they had, I don't know. They could have developed those characters much, much better other than just making them psycho killers, basically. <laughs> That's all it was. Um, yeah. On this one here, I gave it a 1.5 because I did like the blood and gore and I had to give them credit. The blood and gore was not done badly done. That's it. That was its only saving grace. Other than that, it's just like, I, I wouldn't watch it again. Yeah. So th- that was where I was at. It. All right. Now that we're done with Tim's movie, we will move along to my pick, which again is Village of the Dan from 1995. So this movie starts out with in a quiet little town in California, which ends up being invaded by a unseen force, which leaves 10 women somehow pregnant. Then nine months later, the babies are born on one night, except for one of them is stillborn. At first, they all appear to be normal babies, and then they start to grow up and things start to not happen. They end up, they end up uh, having pale skin, platinum white hair, more intelligence than a little kid should and these this glowing eyes and yeah the emotionless children display eerie abilities and remarkable powers which they use with deadly consequences unleashing a reign of terror when they actively use their mind control powers they end up uh, like i said their eyes glow different colors like mostly like a reddish orange but also green yellow violet blue even pure white and uh yeah he um there are some story differences from the original version of this movie than this one in this version the children are paired off except for one child named david who lost his partner who was the stillborn as a result he shows human compassion while still resembling the other children and retaining some degree of psychic powers this leads him not fitting in well with the other children. Their ruthless leader, Mara, who's the daughter to the local doctor, Dr. Alan Caffey, I think that's how you pronounce his last name, who's played by Christopher Reeve, and her mother, Barbara, who ends up committing suicide by walking off the ocean cliff. Because of his childhood loss, he understands what the other children do not feel, which is pain. And this is David I'm talking about here. He and his mother, who's the local school principal, share a brief conversation about the meaning of the word empathy, with David beginning to understand that if he feels pain, he can understand others' pain as well. When the other children experience pain, they simply use their powers to inflict the same pain onto an adult. For example, forcing one of the mothers to put her own arm in a pot of boiling water or forcing the eye doctor by making herself blind with a painful liquid. So they do that kind of shit. Soon the other colonies of psychic children in foreign countries are eliminated because 
of the danger. A science team quickly flees the town to escape the chaos. However, the lead scientist, Dr. Susan, is killed by one of the children by after being forced to show them David's partner, and Susan has secretly kept it from everyone, so she basically performs her own uh, autopsy on herself. Then it jumps to a mob of angry townspeople attempting to stop the children, but they use their powers to kill the leader of the mob, and they end up fleeing quickly after that. The state police and the natural guards are then sent out to kill the children, who instead hypnotize them into shooting each other in a pretty cool gun battle. In order to get rid of the children, Ellen devises a plan to detonate a briefcase full of explosives in the children's classroom, which is actually a barn. By thinking of a brick wall, he is able to create a mental barrier and keep the bomb a secret from the children. Joe begs him to save David because he's not like the other children, and Alan agrees. He attempts to do this by asking David to leave the classroom to get his books from his car. Finally, Joe shows up, but the children stop her. David, angered by this, rushes to her defense and knocks Mora over. The children turn on David, but Jill rushes him from the building. At last, the children break through Alan's defense, but end up having the uh, explosive detonate, destroying the barn and killing everyone, including Alan, obviously. Jill and David survive the massacre. She says that she would both move to a new place where nobody knows them. And then the last scene is of David riding in the car with his mother looking off in the distance. And uh, yeah, that's about it. I mean, it was a little screwed up there. But anyways, when it comes to the ratings and everything, this one got a 30% from Rotten Tomato with an audience score of 27. I completely disagree with those. Google gave it an 85%. I would give it a little bit higher of a rating than that. This movie had a $22 million budget and only made $9.4 million in the box office. So before I start my rant about this movie, what are your thoughts there, Tim? Mm, it was a little bit slow going at parts. Um, I'll be honest for, for my taste um, when they're younger, but there was plenty of, you know, you never knew if one of these kids was just going to like have you kill yourself. That whole pot thing showed how, the, how much power they had over because she's screaming. She's like totally cognitive of everything going on when she had her hand in the pot. But she even had to jump back when her friend there, the, the principal there, tried to pull her out. She went back and put it back in because she was so enthralled with it. I mean, usually when you think of any psychic powers, usually the pain is what stops it. Not the case in this one. So that was kind of creepy. Um, I don't know. I, I, I had I have multiple thoughts on this. I mean, it's like it's uh, not the goriest movie. Like there's a little char here and a, a lack of gore. So, I mean, that's why I was trying. That's why one of the reasons why I chose mine is because I wanted to offset the non-gore. And uh, but it had everything else. It's a decent storyline, decent plot. The kids were creepy. <laughs> they were definitely creepy. I don't know the white hair thing. The only thing uh, I was trying to figure out if the different colored eyes were doing different things, but it seemed like they just kind of sometimes they were they were just different colors, and I haven't quite figured that one out. And in the end, that one chick, the, the head girl's head like glows like from the inside out like the whole heads lit up in order for her to break through the doctor's um her dad's her dad's um psyche so for me it had a little bit of a slow pace in the middle like i said with the kids growing up and i did jump a few spots there but at the same time creepy factor turned up so i'm torn here 
So I'd say I got to give it about like a 3.5 skull on this one because it's kind of got like this parts I like, parts I don't. It's rewatchable. Like you said, I agree with you 100%. Mine was not. So there, uh, yeah, that's where I was thought. Yeah, when it comes to my overall thoughts, by far one of my favorite horror movies from the 90s. I mean, I love this movie even back in the 90s when I first watched it. And yeah, I still like it to this day. Um, not a lot of people know this, but this movie, like I said earlier, was a remake to the original from 1960. They actually had a sequel to the remake too, or the original, I mean, called, uh, I think the, I think the sequel was called Children of the Damned, if I remember correctly, but never watched either of those. I might someday. Um, this one wasn't a blood or gore one, unfortunately, but it was still not too bad for another John Carpenter movie. I mean, yes, I picked John Carpenter again, even though this ain't about our favorite directors this time. It's more of killer kids. So, so there's that. And some for and some info for you Star Wars fans out there. Mark Hamill, who we all know played Luke Skywalker, actually plays the Reverend in this movie that ends up killing himself after trying to kill the head child. So there's that. I loved this movie from the first time I saw it as a kid, and I still do. Like I said, I need this one in my DVD collection for sure. So with that being said, my rating, it's obvious. It's a five-skull rating. I mean, I loved this movie when I was a kid, watching it at my sister's, and I still enjoyed watching it 20-plus years later. So what's your rating there, Timmy? As I said, I said uh, three and a half skulls on this one for me because for me, it's not got that nostalgic feel, which I think you really do have with this movie. And the lack of blood and gore was a little bit. I wish they had showed the body when the woman jumped over the cliff. And yeah, we have Superman in it. You have you got Superman. You got Luke Skywalker in it. You have um, Kirstie Allen in it as well. Christy Allen uh, is in it as well. And she did a, she actually did an amazing job with this one playing that like tough, like government employee type situation. And she did a really good job with it. So the acting in this was very good. Um, like you said, uh, sometimes, sometimes in our ratings, we have to go with what we kind of feel is like our style of movie. And this is a little more out of my realm of my style. Cause it's a little bit, ironically, this is like more sci-fi, but yet usually that goes the other way with us. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Three and a half skull on this one. Yeah, well, I think that's about it for this episode. So that being said, as always, you can email us at what in the horror podcast for any movie suggestions. That's at gmail.com. Forgot about that. Or you can hit us up on our Twitter. That's what in the horror podcast, all one word. You can also join our discord. But anyways, as always, I've been your host, Lando. And I've been Tim. And we are the fuck out of here. You were listening to What in the Horror. See you next time. <laughs>